on our series called Relationships, there's an app for that. And so what we've been trying to do is kind of see what does the Word of God have to say about me having better relationships. And so we started off with a relationship with God. That's the most important relationship we could have. Then we had dealing with difficult people. Uh, and then we had our speech, controlling our speech. And this morning, what I want to talk to us about is forgiveness. And this is why I had to sing the bridge of that song again. Take my life and let, and let it be all for you and for your glory. Because one of the hardest things to do, even though we all know we should do it, even though it makes sense, even though it's in the Bible, the, one of the hardest things we have to do is to forgive. And we all have relationships. Every single one of us is in a relationship of some type. If you're a student, you've got a teacher. If you're a teacher, you've got students and other faculty. If you're in a, in a family, you've got, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you've got a father who hasn't reached puberty yet and his voice cracks, and you've got, uh, you've got kids, you've got all this kind of stuff, you've got neighbors, you've got a boss, you've got all these things, all these relationships. And here's what I want us to get this morning uh, above everything, just kind of seated in our minds as we move forward. You are going to get hurt. You are going to get offended. You are going to get uh, um, disrespected. You're going to get rejected. That's just what happens when you put a bunch of humans together. That's what happens in a home. It's what happens in an office. It's what happens in church. People are going to offend you. Even, here's what we're going to do. You're going to help me with this. When I say even, you guys are going to go, dun, dun, dun. Okay, because this is really, this is big stuff here. Okay, here we go. Don't argue with me. Here we go. Okay, so we're going to do a one practice round. Even, oh, that, you guys, you guys rocked it over first service, by the way. Okay, so here we go. Ready? Even your pastor. Okay, even your pastor. You like that? Yeah. I was holding up a sign, please use the nursery or infant cry room for babies as you consider the worship environment of your church family. You know how I read that? Please use the nursery or infant cry room for babies as you. There. Okay, no, I'm just kidding around. That is one. So we took that off when we were removing the pews. But here's the thing. I'm going to offend you. I'm going to hurt you somehow. I know you're saying, but you get paid not to do that. You, you're, you, you're supposed to be love and Bible and the scriptures. When humans get together, we offend one another. So I have the chance to say something that offends you. I have a chance to do something that offends you. And I know it's, it doesn't even come, I mean, I know it sounds impossible. But maybe in the future, at some way distant future time, you might actually do something that offends me. Now, I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying maybe, right? Because we're, we're human and we're in community together and we love each other and we're around each other, so we're going to get injured. Now, Jesus talked about this. Uh, with his disciples. And uh, what I want us to see, and this is the one point on your bulletin, it's right there up at the top. You can't be free until you forgive. You can't be free until you forgive. You will be stuck. You can't be free until you forgive. Now what we're going to do is we're going to kind of unpack that a little bit this morning and kind of get at it from some different angles. But that's our point this morning. You're going to get hurt and you will not be free. You can't be free until you forgive. So the first section of verses I want us to look at is in Luke chapter 17, 
And Jesus has been talking to the disciples, and this is kind of a setup for the scripture we're really going to be studying. He, he talks to the disciples, and he says basically this. He says, so watch yourselves. Look out. Pay attention. Examine yourself. Look, you know, pay attention to what's going on. Watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. Now listen, that word rebuke in the Greek does not mean to discipline with words, okay? It's not to chastise him or to make him feel the kind of pain that you felt. It's, it means to, to hush, to stop. Okay? When Jesus calmed the storm, he rebuked it. He didn't go, and another thing. I was trying to sleep, and then you woke me up, and, you, and I don't like the way you do this and this, and the waves are too big. He, didn't, he said, stop. He rebuked the winds. He rebuked the waves. This is what we do. When we get sin, we just say, hey, this is what, this is what happened. Don't, don't do that. Now watch. Goes on. We're not going to spend too much time in this one. Goes on and says, if he sins against you seven times a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. Now, what do you think the disciples' response to this is? Because for me, this is really hard. If somebody comes to me and, and injures me or does something or says something about my family or says something about my it's difficult to, 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 to forgive again and again and again. And the disciples got it. I love their response to this. They don't go, you know what, Jesus, you're right. And I noticed in the Torah that, you know, they don't do any of that. This is what they say. They go, are you kidding me? They say this. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Help. Help me do this. What you're asking me to do is hard. It's hard stuff. But Jesus knows we can't be free until we forgive. Now, let's jettison ourselves over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 18. We've gone over the whole book of Matthew, so this is review for, uh, for most of us. But, but here's the thing. As I was going through this scripture this week, just new things were, were, were coming out at me about this idea of forgiveness. And this is what I want to talk to us about this morning. So what happens is Peter comes to Jesus and he says, you know, how many times should we forgive? Seven times? Now, that's a good answer for Peter because Jesus was probably saying it all the time. Now, I don't know, and I'm sure I'm reading too much into the Scripture, but if you were around those 12 disciples, 12 guys, every day, all day for, for three years, I'm sure, because it happens to everybody, there are some things they're going to do to each other that annoy each other. And Peter was probably on number seven that day with James, and he's like... Just remind me, Jesus, that it's just seven because number eight, I'm going to clock him, okay? I could be reading too much into it, but he, they, for some reason, Peter goes, Lord, how many times? Seven? Because James just did eight. Oh, I can't wait. And Jesus goes, no. Seven times 70. Or in some of your translations, it'll say 77 times. It's not 77. It's 77 times. 490 times. In other words, Jesus is saying to Peter, if you're going to start counting, I got a new number for you. Not seven, 490, there. And if you get to 490 and you want to know about 491, it's going to be 5,682. There, are you happy? Because God, Jesus has a principle. And so Jesus tells him, no, 490. 
And James goes, nah, and then Peter goes, that was nine. I'm going to get you. He writes it down. I'm going to count up. No, it's a principle. And the way we know it's a principle is what Jesus does right after that. And he tells a story that I think will give us insight into how we deal with people that are difficult to deal with, that we have to forgive. He says this. He starts out with a story, and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like... Now, when you see Jesus do that, what he's trying to do to his listeners is he's trying to connect the kingdom of heaven. There are two kingdoms, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. He's trying to show you this is what it would look like on earth if God's will in heaven was done. So he says the kingdom of God is like a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. So he says, you want to talk about forgiveness? I'm going to tell you what forgiveness looks like down here so that you can apply godly principles to help you get through this. He says, the kingdom of God is like a a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And so his servants come, and I'll kind of paraphrase what happens. They all come up, and he's checking them off. There's this list. He wants to, if you owe money, he wants to pay. And so uh, he comes up to this one uh, servant, that owes him 10,000 talents. Now, if you can kind of understand this, a talent is a weight, and so you could have a talent of silver and a talent of gold. In the research that I've done on talents, the lowest amount I could find for one talent, like the most conservative amount of money, is $100,000. Some think it's as much as $840,000 in current time, but I'm just going to with the lowest amount, $100,000 for one talent, and the guy owes 10,000 talents. The point Jesus is trying to make is this guy owes the king big time. He owes him everything. Now watch what happens. He says to, his, to this, this guy, go to jail. I want your family in jail. I want everyone in jail. And, and the slave goes before Jesus and he says this. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, and I will pay back everything. Now, let me ask you a question. Could that slave really pay back everything? There's no way. There's no way. Most likely what happened was the slave was responsible for an awful amount of the the king's kingdom, and he squandered it, and now he's come back, and he says, hey, show me what what you got going on. Let me see your balance sheet. Oh, yeah, well, you gave me $100 billion, trillion, and uh, I kind of lost it all. I don't know how. And he says, okay, you're going to prison. Now, we can't get the weight of this unless we put it kind of into human terms. So what happens is the king does something so radical and so much so that it gives us this idea of what would happen if the kingdom of heaven were to come on earth at this time. What principle could we learn if God's kingdom became our kingdom, that in fact his will was done on earth as it is in heaven? And he gives three things, and it's extraordinary what he does. He says this, the servant's master, one, took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now, I want us to connect with this a little bit before we move forward. Imagine you're upside down in your house, okay? You owe more than it's worth. You're upside down. There's nothing you can do. 
and you've been a few, you know, when you bought it, everything was cool. Everything, you had two incomes, it was going great, you'd just gotten a promotion, and you know, it ha- you got the house you wanted, you're going to live there forever, you signed a 30-year loan, you're all ready to go, and you, you got, you know, you have maybe a couple car payments or whatever. And then the economy begins to tank, okay? We're living it right now. Maybe one of you loses your, your, your job. So you begin to get behind. And not only do you, you can't refinance because your house is upside down, so you begin to owe, and that weight of debt begins to form on your shoulders. And maybe you bought a little flat screen television because you knew at Christmas time you always get a Christmas bonus, and that's what you're going to do. You're going to enjoy the flat screen now and pay it off when you get your Christmas bonus. And the Christmas bonus comes, and you haven't, you didn't get one because things are turning around. And now they're sending out pink slips. And you say, it's Christmas, I don't care, I'm going to buy all the Christmas presents like I normally do, I'm going to trust in the Lord, and we're just going to go. And now, right now, you're paying off Christmas presents that those kids don't even wear anymore, look at anymore, and you're still making payments. This weight of debt begins to come upon you. I lived that about 18 years ago. I was upside down in my house, I had debt from a business that went bad, I felt it. Now imagine... You're at home, and the bank calls. Hey, is this John? He's not here. I don't know him, right? I don't know. I don't know. What do I do? I don't, I don't, yes, yes, it's me. You owe four months worth of, you know, back uh, mortgage. Oh, really? Let me check my records. I'll get back to you. No, we know that. We feel the weight. We say, listen, I... Work with me, please. I'll pay back every dime. I just need you to work with me. And they say, you know what? Well, we had a board meeting, and we took your file out, and you are the cutest family we've ever seen. We're going to just, don't even worry about your mortgage. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to pay. We're wiping it all clean. The house is yours. We just feel really bad that your wife lost her job. And you know what? Those credit card debts and the two cars, whatever, we have tons of money at the bank. We care about people. We're wiping it all clean. Now listen, obviously it's a fake story because we're talking about the bank, but imagine the weight that would come off of you if you went from being upside down your house, two car payments, credit card payments, and you were free. That's what it's like to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's this sense of your past and the baggage and uncertainty and anxiety and all this stuff. And the Lord says, I'm going to remove that from you because I take pity on you. I'm going to cancel your debt and I'm going to let you go because you were in a posture of being on your knees saying, I, I'll do whatever I can. I can't do this. Help me. I'll pay it back. And he says, you can't pay it back. I'm going to pay the debt. This is where that guy is right now. And so we can kind of see it. We can kind of feel it. We can resonate with it. And so the expectation is that that guy's going to take all this grace, all this mercy. And this is why when you see someone come to Christ, when you see them enter into a relationship with God, you'll see oftentimes tears streaming down their face because they, they feel the weight of it all being gone. Or you'll see a big grin on their face and they'll have their hands raised and they don't care about anything because they have that sense of being forgiven. That's where this guy is right now. And then he walks outside into the world. And he sees a guy who owes him 100 denarii. Now, that is a lot of money, 
it's not just chump change. It's not 100 bucks. It's 100 days wages. So if you make $35,000 a year, somebody owes you 10 grand. It's not, you've been injured. You, he owes you. And the slave comes and he grabs the guy by the neck and he says, pay me back. And the guy says, just like, have mercy on me, I will. And he says, no, and he puts him in jail. Well, there are some other servants around, this is the story Jesus is telling, who see this and you go, of course they're upset just like you or I would be, Right? I mean, if we saw this happen, if we saw somebody, a bank paid all their debt and everything, and then they came knocking on your neighbor's door going, you owe me $5,000, it's like, what? You were just forgiven like a half a million dollars, and now you're going after 10 grand? Leave them alone. We all, we all see this, and this is what Jesus was banking on. He wants us to see the discrepancy. So these, these servants go, and they come back uh, to the king, and they go, you'll never guess what happened. That guy that you forgave? He was out choking another guy for 10 grand. Well, this upsets the king. It upsets the king on a number of different levels. One, the king made a big sacrifice for the servant. Number two, what kind of representation is that of the king? That this guy gets forgiven, he gets all this way, and then he goes out and he's no different. That, that reflects poorly on the king. And so the king has something to say about this. And the king asks him a question. He brings him forward. He asks a question that if we, could get, if we could get connected with us, if we could begin to ask ourselves this question every time we're wronged, every time somebody sends an email we don't agree with, every time someone doesn't wave to us and we wave to them, every time we get injured, uh, even on the hard things, the really hard things, the things that happened when we were seven or six or whatever, the things that have carried through. If we could get this question down and begin to review it in our minds, I think we'd be on our way to kind of getting this idea of what the kingdom of heaven on earth would look like for us. Because until we can forgive, we are stuck. We cannot be free until we forgive. And here's the question that this king asks. He says, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? He's trying to connect the servant with the, with the status of the relationship with the king. He's like, man, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what the relationship is like? Shouldn't you take all that freedom, all that grace, all that forgiveness, and just extend it to the people around you? That's what he's asking. And this is the question God has for us. Shouldn't we take, I mean, listen, I'm not trying to diminish the pain we've gone through because some of us have gone through some horrific, horrible pain. So I'm not just trying to say forget about it, you know. It's no big deal. You should be, just be happy that Jesus saved you and move on with your life. There, it, it's hard to deal with some of these things. It's hard to deal with these hurts. But would we just for once ask ourselves the question that the king was asking the servant? Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? So what happens is he goes on. It says, in his anger, in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now, as Christians, if you've been a Christian a long time, you could see that and go, oh, jail, torture. Oh, it's, it, it's a reference to hell. That's not what it is. Okay, when we've been forgiven by Jesus Christ, we're forgiven. We have this status. What, what this is talking about is being stuck he says, you're going to sit there until you've paid back all that you owed. How much did he owe? Nothing. 
He was canceled. His, he had pity on him. He canceled his debt and he let him go. What did he have to do to get out of jail? Just forgive. That's it. It's his only debt. But until then, he is stuck. She is stuck. And that's where we get. You know what it's like? It's like a kink in the hose. Now, I was, I was watering my, our vegetables yesterday. And so um, I was watering, and my son snuck up behind me and took the hose and, and kinked it, you know? And what you do in a case like that is you, you point the hose at the sun. Now, he can't unkink the hose. This is all bonus material uh, to, just to help you in life. If he unkinks the hose, the water comes spraying out. And so you go, hey, what are you doing? Uh, nothing. Unkink the hose. I can't. I'm going to get sprayed. I didn't spray him because I'm a professional Christian. But if I weren't, <laughs> if I weren't, I would have had that thing on nozzle, you know, I, you know. So uh, I, I didn't, but, but what happens when you kink that hose is that the flow of what's supposed to be watering, what's supposed to be giving growth, what's supposed to be nourishing gets cut off. And this is what happens when we don't forgive. Are we still redeemed in Christ? Yes. Are we still forgiven? Yes. But God kinks off that hose and says, listen, you can't move forward. You know how I know this? Because it says it all through Scripture. There's a verse in Scripture that says, look, if you come and you want to bring a, a gift to the altar, go for it. Come, bring your gift to the altar. But if while you're there, you remember something that you're, uh, somebody has against you, stop, leave it, go make it right, and then come back. God is very serious about how we forgive each other, how we treat each other, how we can let it go. Why? Because of it reflects on the relationship we have with him. If my relationship with God is so close and so tight, there's nothing anybody can do to me to harm me in such a way that it, that it gets in the way of that. But if I begin to say, no, you know what, that relationship is more important than my relationship with you, I end up in jail. I end up stuck. I end up frozen. And the problem is, and this is what the Lord knows about us, we get stuck in our unhealth. So if I get injured by my wife in some way and I can't let it go, that's where I'm stuck, just going over that again and again and again and again. It's the worst place to be. And some of us, we've been injured by people who, are, who have died and there's no way we're going to get vengeance. There's no way we're going to make it right. There's no way they're going to ask for forgiveness. We're just stuck. They're dead, and there's no way to move on. And the Lord says, listen, until you can forgive, you will not be set free. You have to forgive. Well, it, it's, a lot, uh, it's a lot harder to do that. It's a lot easier to, for me to just say that than to do that. But Here's what I want us to understand, and then we're going to kind of change gears a little bit. Whatever you went through, whatever it was, whatever I've gone through, no matter how deep the pain, how small, how big, God saw it. He saw it. And he allowed it. Now that can be really frustrating. I mean, we can say, oh good, he saw it. But it can also be very frustrating because we know, if we believe our Bible, that God had the power to do something. And so we can sit and, and wallow in that and say, why didn't you stop that? I mean, there's kind of this sense of, listen, 
I accepted Christ. I'm living for him. Shouldn't everything just kind of go well? And shouldn't I not be hindered from what I want? And shouldn't there be rose bushes that grow up next to every step I make? And, you know, there's birds and all this kind of stuff. And shouldn't that be my life? And for some reason, God saw it and he allowed it and he says, no. I want to walk with you through it. That's what God is saying. And so it, it gets, it gets, it can be either very frustrating where you're like, man, he knew about it. He could have done something about it. He could have warned me about this before I did, went, entered into that marriage, before I had that kid, before I took this job. He could have done all this. He could have shown up in a cloud and all this, but God chose not to do it. Now, that can be very frustrating or it can be the most freeing thing in your life to go, you know what? He knew about it and he allowed it and he wants to see me through it. And so what I want to do right now is um, uh, we have a a doctor on campus, Dr. Heather Brown. She's a a marriage and family counselor, a believer, wonderful woman of God. And I wanted to have her come up here so we could talk about this issue to kind of give us some tools on how to do this. Now, if you've been a Christian for a long time and you read a lot of blogs and you go, psychology is this and that, this isn't psychology. What this is is this is a a woman who knows how to apply biblical principles into people's lives, kind of have, she has the gift of discernment, is able to see some things, and can hopefully give us some tools. So if you'd welcome her, that would be awesome. So, um, wow, that was loud. Uh, So here, here I go, I talk about all this stuff, and it's in the Bible, and, and we want to apply it, you know, but sometimes we get hurt, we get injured, we get um, disrespected in a way that is just hard to forgive. What do, you, what do you say to the person that just comes in your office and says, what do I, I, I can't forgive. I've tried, I just can't do it. I think first, if they're stuck, there's, there's more purging that needs to go on. And, and that's why they've come to see me. So I let them, whatever they need to get out, get out. And especially if the person has died or something like that, have them write out everything they would say to the person if they could have them right mm-hmm. there in their face, knowing they're never going to do this, and then burn it, tear it up, but get it out so they're freed from it. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing comes right from the Bible, which, of course, makes perfect sense because right. God's guiding it. But, but he says, pray for those mm. who have hurt you. That's and a great to me, point. The, the release that comes, the beginning of the unkeeking of the hose, is to go right to God's heart, which is to pray for the person who has wronged you. Mm. And, and maybe you can't forgive them for what they've done yet, but you can certainly say, be with them, God. They're doing things that are hurtful. They're doing things that are wounding. They're obviously somehow separated from you. Please bring mm. them closer to you. And that starts the process a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and I love that because it, you know, if there was a magical formula, you do the magical formula, and then if it didn't work, you'd go, ah, oh, I don't trust the formula. But your your formula is keep going to the Lord, keep seeking. Yes. What, what, Lord, what would you have me do in this situation? Help, you know, pray for the enemies, and I, I love that. That's awesome. Now, uh, how how does it, you know, because you, you've seen both sides. You've seen people who um, haven't been able to forgive, and uh and then people who have. Uh, describe a person who's been able to forgive. Like, wh- what, what, what happened? You know, if we were using the analogy of unkinking the hose, which I think is a fantastic analogy, um, just amazing. It uh, is yeah, yeah, isn't it amazing? Uh, 
if you're using that analogy, uh, then that water begins to flow and it begins to kind of irrigate their life again. Mm-hmm. Explain to me, should, can you give me an example of someone who that's kind of happened to? Sure, there's a woman I worked with for quite a while. Um, infidelity, um, the husband was unfaithful for a That's year. not her name, right? No. Okay. Um, All right, he was unfaithful for a year and a half. Deep, deep believer in God. And she felt she was supposed to stay. Hmm. And so she did. Um, he, he would come back and forth, back and forth, never made a commitment to really stay and come back. But we got to the place, which was wonderful, where she realized she needed to forgive him hmm. and she needed to forgive her. And she was the, the harder woman one. The woman that he was woman. having. Okay, yeah, yeah, And yeah, that yeah. was the harder one for her to let hmm. go, but she hmm. knew it. And as soon as she was able to do that and say, God, they're yours. They're hmm. so far from you, but they're yours. And whatever you can do in their lives, do it. And as soon as she did that, what she found is that immediately connected her back to God Mm. because that was her foundation. Mm. She wanted love for them. She wanted restoration for her marriage, which she never got. But she certainly didn't want them to be separate from God. And when Mm. she could let him do his and she could release herself completely to focus on, okay, you're here with me. This is going on, though I don't right, want right. it, but you've got much bigger plans for me than I know. Mm. She had such a weight just unloaded, wow. and it allowed her then to focus on something other than this man and this woman, right. but where God was going to take her. And her eyes were shut to that before because the whole focus was the sin. Mm-hmm. And God said, don't focus on the sin. Focus on me. Oh, that's awesome. So, so you're, what you're saying then is that... None of the circumstances changed. The no. husband ended up leaving with the girl mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and she's stuck in her circumstances, and yet she is completely free. Completely. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Because she was focusing in on God. Yes, focusing and her relationship with the Lord is deeper than it has ever been. Wow. The purpose in her life is completely shifted from what she thought she would be doing during mm. these years of her life. And, and, and she has a passion for the God that she's never had. And I know she'll at some point do some sort of wonderful, wonderful ministry. With right, us. right. So, so let me ask you a question. This is kind of a leading question because I think I know what the answer is. But um, when we go through these times of pain that you've seen uh, in, in, your, in, your, in your practice and you're showing them the scriptures and kind of like helping them get through this, do you find that people are farther along ahead in their relationship with God if they can kind of traverse through this, I don't even know if that's a word, they, they can go, get through this situation and come out the other end that their, their relationship is deeper with God, their lives are actually richer than had they never gone through that in the first place? Oh, absolutely. And, mm. and a lot of times it's, it's focusing off what happened and focusing on what does God need for you now. And mm. God, the place where God is so different than any of us is he will forgive us in a second at any right, time. Right. He's always ready to, to forgive us. And he always wants to. And he promises us he will always forgive us completely. So when you've allowed yourself to, to go through the, the pain and the work that you need to to be able to release the other person or yourself, if you're the person that you need to forgive, God is right there waiting. Yeah, cool. And he's just saying, you found me. Yeah. Hallelujah. You're not looking over at what you did to your kid or to your boss or to your wife, but you're back Mm. to where you need to be now that you've taken care of this as much as you That's can. That's cool. Yeah, because it's, it's like, you know, like we were saying earlier, you're going to get injured, 
You're gonna, there's going to be pain. So really the decision comes, are you going to get through it with God or are you going to try to get it through it on your own? Exactly. And if you try to get through it on your own, you're, you're stuck and there's no way you're going to do it. Well, and that's my premise with everything in counseling. Everything to me comes back to whatever you're going through, where are you with God mm. in this? That's awesome. And with forgiveness, you're nowhere if God isn't there with mm, you. Right. So let's switch gears a little bit. Um, let's say there's this pastor... Um, and he's married, and the pastor does something, you know, to the wife, and he wants to go and ask her for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Uh, so, so something happens. There's a, that would never, ha- that would never happen. Uh, the, <laughs> let, let's say, let's say we, we have somebody who's injured somebody, and may, maybe even very deeply. Um, how, how is there any, because we were talking about this this week, and I wanted to kind of share this because I thought it was great insight. What do I do having injured somebody? How do, how do I ask for forgiveness in a way that will help them connect with God rather than just busting through the door and going, hey, forgive me, you know, you have to, it's in the Bible. Sure. Like, what, what's a good way to do that? I think always starting in prayer is, is going to be the oh, key yeah. to, to sit okay. down with the person and say, you know, let's pray about this. Not, maybe, not even to, maybe not even to talk. Let's just pray about the fact that, you know, we need help in God preparing mm-hmm. our hearts for where this is going to go. And, and then I think it's critical for the person who has injured the other person to realize it's not on their time schedule. Mm. And no, no matter how badly they may want to fix it right now, until the person they've wronged is ready to listen, it's not the right time. Okay. And if you push it before the person's really willing to let you in, it's, it's going to be wasted breath. And then when they let you do it the next time, it doesn't have that same impact. So just like asking God into our hearts is so precious and it has to be so open, I think it's imperative that you wait until the person you've injured says, okay, okay. we can do this. And if you start and you start to realize the wall's going back up or the person's feeling like, no, you're not forgiving me, and you start to get angry, you need to stop and say, you know what? This is not going where Mm. we want it to go. We're not letting God move through us in the way God wants to move through us. Let's take a little break and come back when we're both ready once again. So, So both parties, whether you're asking for forgiveness or you're trying to give forgiveness, Really, we get back to the word again where our sensitivity has to be, what's the Holy Spirit doing right now? And if, and if this person isn't there yet, I'm going to be sensitive to what's going on and back off and then wait until the Lord has provided a moment that, that he's enabled with them to kind of humbly go in and, and, and uh, ask for forgiveness. Absolutely, because you have to care more about the other person's feelings than your own right. for forgiveness to really be hmm. deep. That must be in the Bible somewhere. I don't know where, but uh, thinking about others before yourself. I'll look for it and see if I can get something this week. Oh, that's, that's really helpful. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you very much. It, it was funny. In, in, t- in talking to Heather this week, I was just kind of like, she's so smart. And so I just found myself most of the time just like going, uh, yeah, so what would happen if you're know, coming up with all these hypothetical situations? I, she always had an answer for everything. I, I appreciate it. As the worship band comes up, I want to I talk about one last section of Scripture, which I think kind of ties this all, all together. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 4. And again, you know, like what, what Dr. Brown was talking about and what the Scriptures are talking about, listen to this. If you can catch this concept, it would be awesome. 
forgiveness isn't releasing that other person. It's releasing you. Like when I forgive because of someone that does something wrong, I'm not releasing them. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, what they did is no problem, anything. It's releasing me to be able to continue with the, God's grace and God's forgiveness and God's mercy flowing through my life so that that can water the areas in my life to bring productivity. Not, not to just go, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm cool, whatever. It's to, it's to release myself from God being able to continue to work in my relationship. I want to read this section scripture it's in uh ephesians 4 31 yeah get rid of all bitterness rage anger brawling slander along with every form of malice now duh i mean look at that list i don't know what the church of ephesus was like but why paul thought he had to put brawling in there i mean it kind of makes us feel like we're we're doing okay here, you know. I've never actually seen a brawl uh, ha- happen. So that's cool. Slander uh, and malice. I don't see too much malice going on. So here's the thing. We can get all caught up in these lists and forget, again, the heart of God. The heart of God is found in this next section of Scripture. And I think it really encapsulates everything we've been talking about. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Now watch the connection. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. The the key to forgiveness is being able to connect. Where am I in Christ? Where am I in my relationship with God? If he truly is my provider, what do I care what my boss does? If he truly is uh, my confidant, what happens if a friend betrays me? If he truly is everything to me, what happens if I have nothing? And if we can continue to connect with that relationship, if we can continue to keep going to the scriptures, going to God in prayer and praying for our enemies and going, Lord, I don't want to be dependent on anything other than you. Just as you did for me, that weight that was taken off my back for all my previous sins, all my current sins, and all my sins to come, that's the grace and the forgiveness that I want to extend to the people around me. 